Exurga Deus disipentur inimici eius, et fugiant deunteum a face eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic, continuing what's going to be the last three episodes of the series on the General Council of Trent. After looking over the 25th session, this thing um, in, in the manner of Holy Mother Church is so excruciatingly long <laughs> that it's going to be decrees on, the, on purgatory and on regulars, uh, meaning um, religious. And then I'm going to break it down because there's a whole bunch of other stuff on Reformation, but we're going to cover purgatory and sacred images and nuns and monks and some and such. And then the next segment will be decrees on Reformation. There are some really interesting things in each of these, and that's why I'm going to break them down into smaller segments because <clears throat> the, t- the last section, the 25th session, was done over two days consecutively. And you can definitely tell that we're trying to cram everything in. Before we get started on this, on the 25th session of the General Council of Trent, under the Council Fathers of 1563, let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium, imperatili deus supplicas de precamor, Tuque princeps militae calestis, Satanam aliosque spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro, ora pro nobis. Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Sancti Iosif, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende faciem tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est, in nomine Patris et Fili, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Begun on the third and terminated on the fourth day of December, 1563, being the ninth and last under the sovereign pontiff, Pius IV. Decree Concerning Purgatory Whereas the Catholic Church, instructed by the Holy Ghost, as from the sacred writings and the ancient tradition of the Fathers taught in sacred councils and very recently in this ecumenical synod, that there is a purgatory, and that the souls there detained are helped by the suffrages of the faithful, but principally by the acceptable sacrifice of the altar. The Holy Synod enjoins on bishops that they diligently endeavor that the sound doctrine concerning purgatory transmitted by the Holy Fathers and Sacred Councils, be believed, maintained, taught, and everywhere proclaimed by the faithful of Christ. But let the more difficult and subtle questions, which tend not to edification, and from which, for the most part, there is no increase of piety, be excluded from popular discourses, 
before the uneducated multitude. In like manner, such as things are uncertain, or which labor under an appearance of error, let them not allow to be made public and treated of. While those things which tend to a certain kind of curiosity or superstition, or which savor of filthy lucre, let them prohibit as scandals and stumbling blocks of the faithful. But let the bishops take care that the suffrages of the faithful who are living, to wit, the sacrifices of the masses, prayers, alms, and other works of piety, which have been wont to be performed by the faithful for other for the other faithful departed, be piously and devoutly performed in accordance with the institutes of the church, and that whatsoever is due on their behalf from the endowments of testators or in it or in other way be discharged, not in a perfunctory manner, but diligently and accurately by the priests and ministers of the church and others who are bound to render this service. On, invocation, on the invocation, veneration, and relics of saints and on sacred images. The Holy Synod enjoins on all bishops and others who sustain the office in charge of teaching that, agreeably to the usage of the Catholic and Apostolic Church received from the primitive times of the Christian religion and agreeably to the consent of the Holy Fathers and to the decrees of the sacred councils, they especially instruct the faithful diligently concerning the intercession and invocation of saints, the honor paid to relics, and the legitimate use of images, teaching them that the saints who reign together with Christ offer up their own prayers to God for men, that it is good and useful suppliantly to invoke them, and to have recourse to their prayers, aid, and help for obtaining benefits from God through His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is our alone Redeemer and Savior. But that they think impiously who deny the saints, who enjoy internal, eternal happiness in heaven, are to be invocated, or who assert either that they do not pray for men, or that the invocation of them to pray for each of us in particular is idolatry, or that it is repugnant to the Word of God, and is opposed to the, to the honor, of the one mediator of God and men, Christ Jesus, or that it is foolish to supplicate vocally or mentally to those who reign in heaven. Also that the holy bodies of the holy martyrs and of others now living with Christ, which bodies were the living members of Christ and the temple of the Holy Ghost, and which are by him to be raised unto eternal life and to be glorified, are to be venerated by the faithful through which bodies many benefits are bestowed by God on men, so that they who affirm the veneration and honor are not due, the, due to the relics of the saints, or that these and other sacred monuments are uselessly honored by the faithful, and that the places dedicated to the memories of the saints are in vain visited with the view of obtaining their aid, are wholly to be condemned, as the church has already long since condemned, and now also condemns them. Moreover, that the images of Christ of the Virgin Mother of God, and of the other saints, are to be had and retained particularly in temples, and that due honor and veneration are to be given them, not that any divinity or virtue is believed to be in them on account of, uh, on account of which they are to be worshipped, or that anything is to be asked of them, or that trust is to be proposed in images, as was done of old by the Gentiles, who placed their hope in idols, but because the honor which is shown them is referred to the prototypes which those images represent. 
in such wise that by the images which we kiss and before which we uncover the head and prostrate ourselves, we adore Christ and we venerate the saints whose similitude they bear as by the decrees of the councils and especially of the second synod of Nicaea, Nicaea, excuse me, as has been defined against the opponents of images. And the bishop shall carefully teach this, that by means of the histories of the mysteries of our redemption, portrayed by paintings or other representations, the people is instructed and confirmed in the habit of remembering and continually revolving in mind the articles of faith, as also that great profit is derived from all sacred images, not only because the people are thereby admonished of the benefits and gifts bestowed upon them by Christ, but also because the miracles which have, which God has performed by means of the saints and their salutary examples are set before the eyes of the faithful so that they may give God thanks for those things, may order their own lives and manners in imitation of the saints, and may be excited to adore and love God and to cultivate piety. But if anyone shall teach or entertain sentiments contrary to these decrees, let him be anathema. And if any abuses have crept in amongst these holy and salutary observances, the holy synod ardently desires that they be utterly abolished, in such wise that no images suggestive of false doctrine and furnishing occasion of dangerous error to the uneducated be set up. And if at times when expedient for the unlettered people, it happen that the facts and narratives of sacred scripture are portrayed and represented, the people shall be taught that not thereby is divinity represented as though it could be seen in the, by, by the eyes of the body or be portrayed by colors or figures. Moreover, in the invocation of saints, the veneration of relics, and the sacred use of images, every superstition shall be removed, all filthy lucre be abolished, finally all lasciviousness be avoided in such wise that figures shall not be painted or adorned with a beauty exciting to lust, nor the celebration of the saints and the visitation of relics be by, be by any perverted into revelings and drunkenness, as if festivals are celebrated to the honor of the saints by luxury and wantonness. In fine, let so great care and diligence be used herein by bishops, as that there be nothing seen that is disorderly, or that is unbecoming or confusedly arranged, nothing that is profane, nothing indecorous, seeing that holiness becometh the house of God, and that these things may be more faithfully observed. The Holy Synod ordains that no one be allowed to place or cause to be placed any unusual image in any place or church, howsoever exempted, except that the except that image have been approved of by the bishop also, that no new miracles are to be acknowledged or no new relics recognized unless the said bishop has taken cognizance and approved thereof, who as soon as he has obtained some certain information in regard to these matters shall, after having taken the advice of theologians and, other, and of other pious men, act therein as he shall judge to be consonant with truth and piety. But if any doubtful or difficult abuse has to be extirpated, or in fine, if any more grave question shall arise touching these matters, the bishop, before deciding the controversy, shall await the sentence of the metropolitan and of the bishops of the province in a provincial council, 
yet so that nothing new or that it previously has not been usual in the church shall be resolved on without having first consulted the most holy Roman pontiff. On regulars and nuns. The same sacred and holy synod, prosecuting the subject of reformation, has thought fit that the things be follow the things following be ordained. Chapter one. All regulars shall order their lives in accordance with what is prescribed by the rule with which they have professed. Superiors shall sedulously provide that this be done. Forasmuch as the Holy Synod is not ignorant how much splendor and utility accrue to the Church of God, from monasteries piously instituted and rightly administered, it has to the end that the ancient and regular discipline may be more easily and promptly restored where it has fallen away, and may be the more firmly, firmly maintained where it has been preserved, though it necessary to enjoin as by this decree it doth enjoin that all regulars, as well men as women, shall order and regulate their lives in accordance with the requirements of the rule which they have professed, and above all, that they shall faithfully observe whatsoever belongs to the perfection of their profession, such as vows of obedience, poverty, and chastity, as also all other vows and precepts that may be peculiar to any rule or order, respectively appertaining to the essential character of each, and which, the regard, and which regard the observance of a common mode of living, food, and dress. And all care and diligence shall be used by the superiors, both in the general and in the provincial chapters, and in their visitations, which they shall not omit to make in their proper seasons, that these things be not departed from, it being certain that those things which belong to the substance of a regular life cannot by them be relaxed. For if those things, which are the basis and foundation of all regular discipline, be not strictly preserved, the whole edifice must needs fall. Chapter 2. Property is wholly prohibited to regulars. For no regular, therefore, whether man or woman, shall it be lawful to possess or hold as his own, or even in the name of the convent, any property movable or immovable, of what nature soever it may be, or in what way soever acquired. But the same shall be immediately delivered up to the superior and be incorporated with the convent. Nor shall it henceforth be lawful for superiors to allow any real property to any regular, not even by way of having the interest or use, the administration thereof, or in commendum, but the administration of property and of the property of monasteries or co or of convents shall belong to the officers thereof only, removable at the will of their superiors. The superiors shall allow the use of these movables, of movables, in such manner as the furniture of their body shall be suitable to the state of poverty which they have professed, and there shall be nothing therein superfluous. But at the same time, nothing shall be refused which is necessary for them. But should anyone be discovered or proved to possess anything in any other manner, he should be deprived during two years of his active and passive voice, and also be punished in accordance with the constitutions of his own rule and order. <clears throat> Chapter 3. All monasteries, save those herein accepted, accepted, shall be able to possess real property the number of persons therein to be determined by the amount of income or of alms. No monasteries to be erected without the bishop's leave. The Holy Synod permits that henceforth real property may be possessed by all monasteries and houses, both of men and women and of mendicants, even by those who are forbidden by their constitutions to possess it, 
or who had not received permission to that effect by apostolic privilege, with the exception, however, of the houses of the Brethren of St. Francis, called Capuchins, and those called Minor Observants. And if any of the aforesaid places, to which it has been granted by apostolic authority to possess such property, have been stripped thereof, it ordains that the same shall be wholly restored unto them. But in the aforesaid monasteries amid houses, as well as of men and of, as well of men as of women, whether they possess or do not possess real property, such a number of inmates only shall be fixed upon, and be for the future retained, as can be conveniently supported, either out of the proper revenues of those monasteries, or out of the customary alms, nor shall any such places be henceforth erected without permission of the bishop, in whose diocese they are to be erected, being first obtained. Chapter 4. <clears throat> a regular shall not, without the permission of his superior, either place himself at the service of another, or retire from his monastery, when sent to a university for study, he shall reside in a monastery. The Holy Synod forbids that any regular, under the pretext of preaching or lecturing, or of any other pious work, place himself at the service of any prelate, prince, university, community, or of any other person or place, whatsoever without permission from his own superior. Nor shall any privilege or faculty obtained from others in regard hereof avail him anything. But should anyone act contrary hereto, he shall, be, he shall be punished as a disobedient, at the discretion of his superior. Nor shall it be lawful for regulars to withdraw from their own convents, even under the pretext of, preparing, of repairing to their own superiors, unless they have been sent or summoned by them. And whoever shall be found to be without order, without the order aforesaid in writing, shall be punished as a deserter from his institute by the ordinaries of the places. As to those who are sent to the universities for the sake of their studies, they shall dwell in convents only. Otherwise, they shall be proceeded against by the ordinaries. Chapter 5 Provision is made for the enclosure and safety of nuns. The Holy Synod renewing the Constitution of Boniface VIII, which begins periculoso, enjoins on all bishops, by the judgment of God, to which it appeals, and under pain of eternal malediction, that by their ordinary authority in all monasteries subject to them and in others by the authority of the apostolic see, they will make it their especial care that the enclosure of nuns be carefully restored wheresoever it has been violated, and that it be preserved wheresoever it has not been violated, repressing by ecclesiastical censures and other penalties without regarding any appeal whatsoever the disobedient and gainsayers and calling in, for this end, if need be, the aid of the secular arm. The Holy Synod exhorts Christian princes to furnish this aid, and enjoins under pain of excommunication, to be ipso facto incurred, that it be rendered by all civil magistrates. But for no nun, after her profession, shall it be lawful to go out of her convent, even for a brief period, under any pretext whatever, except for some lawful cause, which is to be approved of by the bishop, any indults and privileges whatsoever notwithstanding. And it shall not be lawful for any one of whatsoever birth or condition, sex or age, to enter within the enclosure of a nunnery without permission of the bishop or of the superior, obtained in writing, under the pain of excommunication, to be ipso facto incurred. But the bishop or the superior ought to grant this permission in necessary cases only, nor shall any other person be able by any means to grant it, even by virtue of faculty or indult already granted, 
or that may hereafter be granted. And as and for as much as those convents of nuns which are established outside the walls of a city or town are exposed often without any protection to the robberies and other crimes of wicked men, the bishops and other superiors shall, if they think it expedient, make it their care that the, sun, thun, that the nuns be removed from those places to new or old convents within cities or populous towns, calling in even, if need be, the aid of the secular arm. As to those who hinder them or disobey, they shall, they shall by ecclesiastical censures, compel them to submit. Chapter 6 The Manner of Choosing Regular Superiors In order that everything may be conducted uprightly and without fraud, in the election of all manner of superiors, temporary abbots and other officers and generals, and abbesses and other superioresses, the Holy Synod above all things strictly enjoins that all the aforesaid ought to be chosen by secret voting, in such wise as the names of the respective voters shall never be made known. Neither shall it for the future be lawful to appoint provincials, abbots, priors, or any other titularies whatsoever for the purposes of an election that is to take place, nor to supply the place of the voices and suffrages of those who are absent. But should any one be elected contrary to the appointment of this decree, such, such election shall be invalid, and he who shall have allowed himself for this object to be created provincial abbot or prior shall be from that time forth incapable of holding any offices whatsoever in that order, and any faculties that have been granted in this matter shall be looked upon as hereby abrogated. And should any others be granted for the time to come, they shall be regarded as surreptitious. Chapter 7. In what way and what manner of the persons are to be chosen as abbesses, or superioresses, by whatsoever other name, no one shall be appointed over two nunneries. No one shall be elected as abbess or prioress, or by whatsoever the other name she who is appointed and placed over the rest may be called, who is less than forty years of age, and who has not passed eight year eight of those years in a praiseworthy manner after having made her profession. But should no one be found in the same convent with these qualifications, one may be elected out of another convent of the same order. But if the superior who presides over the election shall deem even this is an inconvenience, with the consent of the bishop or other superior, there may be one chosen from amongst those in the same convent who are beyond their thirtieth year, and who have since their profession passed at least five of those years in an upright manner. But no individual shall be set over two convents, and if any one is in any way in possession of two or more, she shall, retaining one, be compelled to resign the rest within six months. But after that period, if she has not resigned, she shall be ips, they shall all be ipso jure vacant. And he who presides at the election, whether it be the bishop or other superior, shall not enter the enclosure of the monastery, but shall listen to or receive the votes of each at the little window in the gates. In other particulars, the constitution of each order or convent shall be observed. Chapter 8 In what manner the regulation of monasteries which have not ordinary regular visitors is to be proceeded with? All mount monasteries which are not subject to general chapters or to bishops, and which have, and which have not their own ordinary regular visitors, but have been accustomed to be governed under the immediate protection and direction of the apostolic see shall be bound within a year from the end of this present council, and thenceforth every third year to form themselves into congregations according to the form of the Constitution of Innocent III, beginning in Singulus. 
published in a general council and shall there depute certain regulars to, lib- to deliberate and ordain as to the mode and order of establishing the congregations aforesaid and touching the statutes to be therein observed. But should they be negligent in these matters, it should be lawful for the metropolitan in whose province the aforesaid monasteries are situated to convoke them for the above-named purposes as the delegate of the apostolic see. But if there be not a sufficient number of monasteries within the limits of one province for the establishing of such congregation, the monasteries two or, of two or three provinces may form one congregation. And when the said congregations have been established, the general chapters thereof and the presidents and visitors elected thereby shall have the same authority over the monasteries of their own congregation and over the regulars dwelling therein, as the other presidents and visitors have in other orders. And they shall be bound to visit frequently the monasteries of their own congregation, and to apply themselves to the reformation thereof, and to observe whatsoever things have been decreed in the sacred canons and in this sacred council. Also, if, at the instance of the Metropolitan, they shall not take measures to execute the above, they shall be subjected to the bishops in whose dioceses the places aforesaid are situated as the delegates of the Apostolic See. Chapter 9. Convents of nuns immediately subject to the apostolic see shall be governed by the bishops, but others by those deputed in the general chapters or by other regulars. Those convents of nuns which are immediately subject to the, subject to the apostolic see, even those which are called by the name of chapters of St. Peter or of St. John or by whatsoever other name they may be designated, shall be governed by the bishops as delegates of the apostolic see, anything to the contrary notwithstanding. But those which are governed by persons deputed in general chapters or by other regulars shall be left under their care and conduct. Chapter 10. Nuns shall confess and communicate once a month. An extraordinary confessor shall be assigned them by by the bishop. The Eucharist shall not be reserved within the enclosure of the convent. Bishops and other superiors of convents of nuns shall take particular care that the nuns be admonished in their constitutions to confess their sins and to receive the Most Holy Eucharist at least once a month, so they may fortify themselves by that salutary safeguard, resolutely to overcome all the assaults of the devil. But besides the ordinary confessor, the bishop and the other superiors shall once or twice, once, excuse me, twice or thrice a year, offer them an extraordinary one, whose duty it shall be to hear the confessions of all the nuns but that the most holy body of Christ may be kept within the choir or the enclosure of the convent and not in the public church, the Holy Synod forbids it any privilege or indult whatsoever notwithstanding. Chapter 11. In monasteries which are charged with the cure of, with the cure of souls of, the lay, of laymen, they who exercise that cure shall be subject to the bishop and be by him previously examined with certain exceptions. In monasteries or houses, whether of men or of women, which are charged with the cure of souls of other secular persons, besides those who belong to the household of those monasteries or places, the individuals, whether regulars or seculars, who exercise that cure shall be immediately subject in whatsoever pertains to the said cure and the administration of the sacraments to the jurisdiction, visitation, and correction of the bishop in whose diocese those places are situated. Nor shall any, not even such as are removable at pleasure, be deputed thereunto, save with the consent of the said bishop, and after having been previously examined by him or by his vicar, the monastery of Cluny with its limits being accepted, and accepting also monasteries or places in which abbots, generals, or the heads of orders have their usual principal residence. 
as also the other monasteries or houses in which abbots or other superiors or regulars exercise episcopal and temporary jurisdiction over the parish priests and their parishioners, saving, however, the right of those bishops who exercise a greater jurisdiction over the, over the places or persons above named. Chapter 12. Episcopal censures and festivals appointed in the diocese shall be observed even by the regulars. Censures and interdicts, not only those emanating from the apostolic see, but also those promulgated by the ordinary, shall, upon the bishop's mandate, be published and observed by the regulars in their churches. The festival days also, which the said bishop shall order to be observed in his own diocese, shall be kept by all exempted persons, even though regulars. Chapter 13. The bishop shall settle disputes about precedency. Exempted persons not living in the more strict enclosures are obliged to attend at public processions. All disputes about precedence, which very often with very great scandal arise between ecclesiastics, both secular and regular, as well as the public processions, as at those which take place in burying the dead or carrying the canopy, and on other such occasions, the bishop shall settle without regarding any appeal, anything to the contrary notwithstanding, and all exempted persons whatsoever, as well secular as regular clerics and even monks, on being summoned to public processions, shall be obliged to attend, those only being accepted who always live in more strict enclosure. Chapter 14. By whom punishment is to be inflicted on a regular who sins publicly. A regular, who not being subject to the bishop and residing within the enclosure of a monastery, has out of that enclosure transgressed so notoriously as to be a scandal to the people, shall at the instance of the bishop be severely punished by his own superior, within such time as the bishop shall appoint, and the superior shall certify to the bishop that the punishment has been inflicted. Otherwise he himself shall be deprived of his office by his own superior, and the delinquent may be punished by the bishop. Chapter 15. Profession shall not be made except after a year's probation, and at the age of 16 years completed. In no religious order whatever shall the profession, whether of men or of women, be made before the age of 16 years is completed, nor shall anyone be admitted to profession who has been less than a year under probation from the time of taking the habit. And any profession made sooner than this shall be null and shall not superinduce any obligation to the observance of any rule or of any religious body or order or entail any other effects whatsoever. Chapter 16. Any renunciation made or obligation entered into previous to the, two, to the two months nearest profession shall be null. The probation ended, the novices shall either be professed or dismissed. In the religious order of clerks of the Society of Jesus, nothing is innovated. No part of the property of a novice shall be given to a monastery before profession. Further, no renunciation made or obligation entered into sooner than this, even though upon oath or in favor of any pious object whatsoever shall be valid, unless it be made with permission of the vic bishop or his vicar within the two months immediately preceding profession. And it shall not otherwise be understood as obtaining effect unless the profession have followed thereupon. But if made in any other manner, even though with the express renunciation, even upon oath of this privilege, it shall be invalid and of no effect. When the period of the novitiate is ended, superiors shall admit those novices whom they found qualified to profession, or thou shalt dismiss them from the monastery. 
By these things, however, the Synod does not intend to make any innovation or prohibition so as to hinder the religious order of clerks of the Society of Jesus from being able to serve God and his church in accordance with their pious institute, approved of by the Holy Apostolic See. <clears throat> also, before the profession of a novice, whether male or female, nothing shall be given to the monastery out of the property of the same, either by parents, relatives, or guardians under any pretext whatever, except for food and clothing, for that the for the time that they are under probation, lest the said novice be, may be unable to leave on this account, that the monastery is in possession of the whole or the greater part of his substance, and he may not easily be able to recover it if he should leave. Yea, rather, the Holy Synod enjoins, under the pain of anathema on the givers and receivers, that this be nowise done, and that those who leave before their profession, everything that was theirs be restored to them. And the bishop shall, if need be, enforced by ecclesiastical censures that this be performed in a proper manner. Chapter 17 If a girl who is more than twelve years of age wish to take the regular habit, she shall be questioned by the ordinary, and again before profession. The Holy Synod, having in view the freedom of the profession on the part of virgins who are to be dedicated to God, ordains and decrees that if a girl being more than 12 years of age desire to take the religious habit, she shall not take that habit, neither shall she nor any other at a later period make her profession, until the bishop, or if he be absent or hindered, his vicar, or someone deputed thereunto by them, and at their expense, has carefully examined to the inclination of the virgin, whether she has been compelled or enticed thereunto, or knows what she is doing, and if her will is to be found is found to be pious and free, she shall have the qualifications required by the rule of that convent and order. And it and if also the convent be a suitable one, it shall be free for her to make her profession. And that bishop may not be in ignorance as to the time of profession, the superioress of the co convent shall be bound to give him notice thereof a month beforehand. But if she do not acquaint him therewith, she shall be suspended from her office for as long as period as the bishop shall think fit. Chapter 18. No one shall, except in cases by law expressed, compel a woman to enter a monastery, or prevent her if she desire to enter. The constitutions of the penitents or the convertites shall, be, shall all be preserved. The Holy Synod places under anathema, and all, and singular those persons, of what quality or condition soever they may be, whether clerics or laymen, seculars or regulars, or with whatever dignity invested, who shall in any way whatever force any virgin or widow other than or any other woman whatsoever, except in the cases provided for by law, to enter a convent against her will, or take the habit of any religious order, or to make her profession, as also all those who lend her their counsel, aid, or countenance thereunto. And those who also who, knowing that she does not enter into a convent voluntarily, or voluntarily take the habit, or make her profession, shall in any way interfere in that act by their presence or consent or authority. It also subjects to a like anathema to those who shall in any way without a just cause hinder the holy wish of virgins or other women to take the veil or make their vows. All, excuse me, and all and singulars and all and singular those things which ought to be done before profession or at the profession itself shall be observed not only in convents subject to the bishop but also in all others whatsoever. From the above, however, are accepted those women who are called penitents or convertites, in whose regard their constitutions shall be observed. 
Chapter 19. How to Proceed in Cases of Pretended Invalidity of Profession. No regular soever who shall pretend that he entered into a religious order through compulsion and fear, or shall even allege that he made his profession before the proper age or the like, and would fain lay aside his habit, be the, co- be the cause what it may, or would even withdraw his <clears throat> withdraw with his habit without the permission of his superior, shall be listened to unless it be within five years only from the day of his profession, and not then either unless he is produced before his own superior and the ordinary the reasons which he alleges. But if before doing this he has of his own accords laid aside his habit, he shall in no wise be admitted to allege any cause whatever, but shall be compelled to return to his monastery and be punished as an apostate. And meanwhile, he shall not have the benefit of any or of any privilege of his order. Also, no regular shall, by virtue of any manner of faculty, be transferred to an order less rigid, nor shall permission be granted to any regular to wear in secret the habit of his order. Chapter 20. Superiors of orders not subject to bishops shall visit and correct inferior monasteries, even though held in commendum. Abbots, who are the he- who are heads of orders, and other superiors of the aforesaid orders, who are not subject to bishops, but have a lawful jurisdiction over other inferior monasteries or priories, shall each in his own place and order visit officially the said monasteries and priories that are subject to them even though held in commendum, which for as much as they are subject to the heads of their own orders, the Holy Synod declares that they are not to be included in what has elsewhere been decreed relative to the visitation of monasteries held in commendum. And those who preside over monasteries of the orders aforesaid shall be bound to receive the above-named visitors and to execute their orders. Also, those monasteries themselves, which are the heads of orders, shall be visited conformably to the constitutions of the Holy Apostolic See and of each several order. So, so long, And so long as the said commendatory monastery shall continue, there shall be appointed by the general chapters or by visitors of the said orders, priors claustral or sub-prior in those priories that are conventual, who shall exercise spiritual authority and correction. In all other things, the privileges and faculties of the above-named orders as regards the persons, places, and rights thereof shall remain firm and inviolate. Chapter 21. Over monasteries, religious of that same order shall be appointed. Whereas very many monasteries, even abbeys, prioresses, and provostries, have suffered no slight injury, both in spirituals and temporals, through the maladministration of those whom they have been entrusted. The Holy Synod would fain by every means to restore them to a discipline suitable to a monastic life. But the present state of the times is so fraught with hindrances and difficulties that a remedy can neither be applied at once to all nor common to all places as it could desire. Nevertheless, that it may not omit anything which may in time be used wholesomely provided against the evils aforesaid, it trusts in the first place that the most holy Roman pontiff will of his piety and prudence make it his care, as far as he sees that the times will permit, that over those monasteries which are at present held in commendum, (coughs) and which are conventual, (coughs) there be appointed regulars, expressly professed of the same order, and capable of guiding and governing the flock. And as to such as shall become vacant hereafter, they shall be conferred solely on regulars of distinguished virtue and holiness." 
But as regards those monasteries, which are the heads and chiefs of orders, be the filiations thereof called abbeys or priories, those who hold them at present and commend them shall be bound, unless provision be made for a regular successor thereunto, either to make, within six months, a solemn profession of the religious life which is peculiar to the said orders, or to resign otherwise the places aforesaid held in commendum, shall be accounted ipso jure vacant. But lest any fraud may be used as regards all and singular the aforesaid matters, the Holy Synod ordains that in the appointments of the, to the said monasteries, the quality of each individual be specifically expressed, and any appointment made otherwise shall be accounted surreptitious and shall not be rendered valid by any subsequent possession, even though extending over three years. <clears throat> Chapter 22 the decrees touching the reformation of regulars shall be carried into execution at once by all. The Holy Synod enjoins that all and singular the matters contained in before the foregoing decrees be observed in all convents and monasteries, colleges and houses of all monks and religious whatsoever, and also of all religious virgins and widows soever, even though living under the conduct of the military orders, or even or of the order even of St. John of Jerusalem, and by what name soever they, shall, they, may, they may be designated, under whatsoever rule or constitutions they may be, or under the care or government of, or in subjection to, union with, or dependence on, any order whatsoever, whether of mendicants or not mendicants, or of other regular monks or canons of whatsoever kind, any privileges whatsoever of all and each of the above named under whatsoever form of words expressed, even those called mare magnum, even those obtained at their foundation, and also as any constitutions and rules whatsoever, even those sworn to, and any customs or prescriptions whatsoever, even though immemorial, to the contrary notwithstanding. But if there be any regulars, whether men or women, who are living under stricter rules or statutes, the Holy Synod does not intend to withdraw them from their institute and observance, except as the power of possessing real property in common. And as for and for as much as the Holy Synod desires that all in singular, the things aforesaid be set put into execution as soon as possible, it enjoins on all bishops that in the monasteries which are subject to them, as also in all the rest specially committed to them in the preceding decrees, and on all abbots and generals and other superiors of the above-named orders, that they forthwith put in execution the matters aforesaid. And if there be anything which is not carried into execution, the provincial council shall remedy and punish the negligence of the bishops and that of the regulars, their provincial and general chapters, and in default of general chapters, the provincial council shall, by deputing certain persons belonging to the same order, provide herein. The Holy Synod also exhorts all kings, princes, republics, and magistrates, and by virtue of holy obedience commands them to vouchsafe to interpose as often as requested their help and authority in support of the aforesaid bishops, abbots, generals, and other superiors in the execution of the things comprised above, so that they may, without any hindrance, rightly execute the preceding matters to the praise of Almighty God. When they really want to cover everything, they really do cover everything. If you haven't been able to tell already, there's so much that seems to be just slightly off in many cases. 
and in some cases actually quite broken. Pray for the church, because as verbose as some of these decrees get, when you study them carefully, you can definitely see the perfection that was woven therein. They wanted to cover everything, and they seem to have covered everything. In the next part, which will probably be a little bit longer than this one, unless I can find a spot to break it in half, we'll finish out the reformation of the final session of the General Council of Trent. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.